Hey, I'm going to start with uh, just a passage this Easter Sunday. So I want you to stand up with me, and we're going to read this passage together. It's Matthew 28. Um, there's two slides. The resurrection account, of course, is talked about in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because it's without the resurrection, we wouldn't have the New Testament. They, they wouldn't, they wouldn't, why, why write about a good teacher? All right. So we're going to read this. Uh, again, it's two slides. This is, uh, when it says early Sunday morning, it's after the, re- the crucifixion has happened a few days earlier. So read this out loud with me. Early on Sunday morning, as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone, and sat on it. His face shone like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him, and they fell into a dead faint. Then the angel spoke to the women, Don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come see where his body was lying. All right, go ahead and sit down. So that, that, that uh, resurrection account is in all the Gospels. We just read Matthew. No reason, all that, just other than the one I kind of enjoyed reading the most, that uh, he's not here. He is risen from the dead. All right? So that's the key thing. Without that reality, or at least what we believe to be the reality of Jesus, there would be no Christianity, there would be no New Testament, because he rose from the dead. And uh, the angel said, his body's not here anymore. So he was bodily risen from the dead, all right? So I'm going to start with that. And my sermon today is going to be called, here's my sermon title today, 12 Dead Men. All right, you might think it's an odd sermon title for Easter. 12 Dead Men. Because, again, we're starting with the assumption, with the belief that Jesus was bodily resurrected from the dead. And what that says about him and then what that says for us, all right? So uh, if, you, if you go to the IU, the IU uh, Indiana Memorial Union, you might see this in the wall. I can't see it very well, but it's etched in the wall. How many of you have seen this before? It's by Alumni Hall. It's kind of, when you, when you see it, you're like, this is kind of unique. But it says, I don't understand what it says, <laughs> but it says, the university regards the universe within whose infinity have emerged order, life, and man. I, I, that means something. I can't figure it out. But then they list names. These are etched in stone on the wall. Aristotle, Galileo, Shakespeare, Lincoln, and then they list Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm sure there's some people in the university who would love to scratch that out, but I don't know why. I mean, but it's just fascinating. I, I'm always fascinated when I see that. So these apparently are great thinkers, great activists, great leaders, but they include Jesus on the list. So let's just go through some of the list, and I'm going to add some people that if I were to add, I'd probably add some more. All right, first one, Aristotle. All right, Aristotle uh, considered to be kind of the father of logic and biology and ethics and aesthetics. He was in ancient Rome. He was a great philosopher. Um, but in 322 B.C., he died of digestive complaint, and his body is buried in Athens, Greece. All right, great man, but his body is buried. All right, next one, Galileo. Galileo is considered the father of observational astronomy and the father of modern physics, a brilliant scientist, uh, engineer, astronomer, physicist. Um, 1642, he died from a fever and heart problems. He is buried in Florence, Italy. All right. Next person from the list from the Union, Shakespeare. Highly regarded as the greatest playwright, poet, and actor of, in the English language, the greatest writer in the English language, and a great dramatist. Uh, they don't know exactly the cause of death. They think partly, <laughs> some think he died from a drinking binge, but they're not sure. But either way, he died in 1616, and he's buried 
his body is buried in Stratford-on-Avon in what is now Great Britain. All right. Next one, Abraham Lincoln. He's also listed on the Union Wall. You know the story, 16th President of the United States, Emancipation Proclamation, shot by John Wilkes Booth, great leader, I mean, not Booth, Lincoln, great leader, um, great historical part of the American story. But he died in 1865. He's buried. His body is buried. His tomb is in Springfield, Illinois. All right. Now I'm adding some here. I didn't, I'm not going to etch these on the wall in the Union. They won't let me do that. All right. Next one. King Tutankhamun. All right. The, the, the pharaohs in ancient Egypt were actually part of their cult of religion. They believed the pharaohs were gods. And they believed they served the sun god. And so they, they revered these, uh, these beings. King Tut actually uh, died when he was 19 years old of gangrene infection. Uh, or then possibly because of a broken, broken leg. Nobody knows for sure, but he had gangrene. So his body, like the ancient Egypt pharaohs, is buried in a fancy tomb somewhere in ancient Egypt. Um, and again, they thought he was a god, but his, his, he is buried, mummified in ancient Egypt, or he was, all right, in uh, the Valley of the Kings. All right, next one, Other in terms of historical leaders. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm just mentioning leaders. I'm not mocking them. I'm not... Uh, diminishing them. I'm just saying these are the people that I think our world would revere. All right. So Muhammad. Muhammad is obviously the founder of what we know as Islam today. He is the single author of the Quran. He believes an angel gave him the message to write out the Quran. So that's Muhammad. Um, he died in 632 um, after some kind of brief illness. They don't know exactly what was wrong with him, but he died. And he's buried in Medina, Saudi Arabia, which is Medina, Arabia. All right, so another great, another what's considered a great teacher, leader, activist, religious leader. All right, I'm not saying they're all great. I'm saying this is what the what our culture considers them. All right, Montezuma. This is one maybe you said he was the ninth ruler of the Aztec Empire, reigned from 1502 to 1520. Um, he was the primary uh, leader of the Aztecs when they first had to engage with the Spanish conquistadors. Um, the religion of the Aztecs was all about appeasing um, the, the, the god of darkness and the god of sun. And so they did a lot of human sacrifice. Because their fear was, if we don't sacrifice these human beings, and it was kind of gory how they did it. I won't explain all that. They had to appease the gods by these human sacrifices and they thought if they didn't do it they would be destroyed by these invisible gods all right montezuma died in 1520 um, they don't know exactly but they think he might have been killed by some of the spanish in, in a battle but he is buried in tenochtitlan which is in mexico i love saying that word i learned that when i was in grade school anyway so that was montezuma we're doing 12 we're almost done mahatma gandhi Gandhi, for most of you is probably the most well-known hindu he was a Hindu guru. It's a title they're given. The gurus were the most learned, the most uh, studied of religious leaders. Hinduism has like hundreds, if not thousands of gods. So there's not just one god in Hinduism. But Gandhi was a, a lawyer. He was a nationalist. He was a political activist. He was an active Hindu um, in the early parts of the 1900s. Um, again, there's many other Hindu leaders. He's the one that most people know. Um, in 1948, he was assassinated by an Indian nationalist who didn't think Gandhi was doing enough politically for the country. 
he was uh, cremated, and his ashes are buried in India. All right? So these are all historical men, but they're all dead. The next one, which you may not have heard about, Thubten Gatso. He's the 13th Dalai Lama. The current Dalai Lama is the 14th. Since he's not dead yet, I thought I'd talk about the 13th. All right? So the Dalai Lama, uh, Tibetan Buddhism, uh, Thubten Gatso, lived in the 1800s to 1933. Uh, with the Dalai Lamas, Tibetan Buddhism, they believe that since he was the 13th, they believe that he's the 13th person to actually have a spirit inside of him that's reincarnated. All right, that's part of the Tibetan Buddhism. So the current uh, Dalai Lama, is the 14th, would they believe, was another uh, reincarnation. All right, but Thubtum Ngatso lived in the uh, early parts of the 1900s. Um, toward the end of his life, he had some coughing problems. Uh, then some bad omens started appearing around where he was living, like an owl that was. Uh, hooting at weird times, and they hit that hearing of a woman's voice who was crying, and nobody knew. And uh, he took a got a posture of meditation, and then he just died. But he's buried in Tibet today. All right, a few more. Siddhartha Gautama Buddha, the original Buddha um, from China. Um, he was considered as the founder of Buddhism. They consider him the enlightened one because he was the first one to escape the cycle of birth and rebirth. Um, he transcended karma. He transcended his bad deeds. Escaped the cycle of birth and rebirth. Escaped the idea of suffering. He was able, his followers say, he was able to live above suffering. But he died at the age of 80. Uh, most people believe that he died from eating some spoiled meat. Um, and even though they believe he escaped the cycle of birth and rebirth, he's dead. And I'm, not, I'm not saying it in a mean kind of way, but his, he's dead. He's, he's buried. Right? Joseph Smith, uh, founder of uh, the Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, um, he, is an, he also wrote the Book of Mormon. He was a single author of the Book of Mormon. Now, just a quick, quick aside here, because I just realized this. So, Muhammad was a single author of the Quran. Joseph Smith was the single author of the Book of Mormon. The Bible has uh, over 40 authors over centuries of time, uh, which I believe gives it some, a unique kind of validity, I'm just saying. So I'm just interested to think about religious text and when one person writes it as opposed to a multiplicity of people over centuries, there's a different kind of uh, um, validity to it, I think. Joseph Smith, founder of the Latter-day Saints, um, lived in, uh, Car uh, this time was Carthage, Illinois, was killed by a mob. He had the... He and his brothers were part of a riot. I'm not sure. I, when I read about it, it was kind of like odd. They were, in, they were charged with inciting a riot. They were put in prison. A mob with uh, you know, their faces painted in gunpowder came into the prison to kill Joseph Smith. They didn't like what he was doing. And um, he tried to escape from second-story window, and he fell from the window, and he died beneath the ground. But he's buried, founder of Mormonism. He's buried. He's dead. Um, now, don't go to the next one yet. All these people so far... None of them even said they'd rise from the dead. None of them. None of their followers have ever attributed them to rising from the dead. None of them. Not one. All right. Last one. You might think this is an interesting one, but I thought I want to put it in there. Alfred Kinsey. All right. He is uh, the Kinsey Institute at IU, Kinsey Institute of Sex Study. Um, he, he is uh, essentially the academic 
foundation of the sexual revolution in the 1960s. And he was taught, he was at IU. Um, he is, uh, I don't think it's inaccurate to say he had quite a few sexual perversions of his own. Um, his whole objective was to free people from any kind of boundaries of sexual expression. So uh, there should be no boundaries, sexual expression, do what you want to do, do what you feel like doing, no matter what. So the idea of, of uh, Judeo-Christian marriage and that, you know, totally taboo to him. So, but his work has influenced our culture in incredible ways. And he's not a religious leader, but you could almost call our culture's obsession with sex a religion today, right? So he was very, very famous, cover on Time magazine, all kinds of things. Um, died, 1956, heart ailment, pneumonia, buried in Bloomington, Indiana, Rose Hill Cemetery, all right? So all these men, all 12 of these dead men, go to the next slide. None of them claimed to rise from the dead. Some, like the, maybe like uh, the pharaohs and uh, even Gandhi, some may have, their followers may have claimed they were godlike, but none of them said they would rise from the dead None of their followers said they rose from the dead. There was nothing like that. And I'm saying that because you, you, could, you could list other great religious leaders, activists, or founders, and uh, you'll see the same thing. There's, there's, none of them claimed they would rise from the dead, and then their followers claimed they rose from the dead, and then their followers uh, went out into the, into the future with that claim and that zeal, all right? None of them, all right? So let me go back to this phrase we read earlier today. Go to the first one, the next slide, I'm sorry. Next slide. Yeah. So the angel says, don't be afraid, Samarian. You're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. And risen from the dead in the biblical language means risen from the dead. It's not he's spirit, who's a spirit risen from the dead. It's not that his spirit lives on because... And all of these dead men, we could say, yeah, their spirit lives on. The spirit of Shakespeare lives on. The spirit of Lincoln lives on. They all have a legacy. So in one sense, the spirit in those kents mean, means uh, the spirit of how they live life. But there's not, and maybe with the Dalai Lama, they believe there's a spirit that lives on. But none of them uh, claim any kind of physical resurrection. None of these, whereas it's very clear in Scripture in the, in the Gospels, as well as the rest of the New Testament, that Jesus was physically risen from the dead. Uh, if you remember, he actually asked somebody for, after the resurrection, he told somebody he was hungry. All right, ghosts don't do that. Um, Thomas, who was doubting whether Jesus rose from the dead, said, I'm going to put my hands in his nail, nail scars, and I'm going to put my hand in the scar on his side when he was speared on the cross. So when he saw Jesus, Jesus said, okay, do that. So Jesus was inviting him to engage him as a physical being. Physical being of a different kind, because he also went through walls. And then you might think, oh, this sounds kind of weird. There's a weird factor here, but the Bible is clear in, in his bodily resurrection, not just his spirit and a ghost. Because again, he ate with them. Ghosts don't eat. So there's something unique there. Now you might say, and, and, and I know I'm speaking mostly to the convinced, but there's a point I'm, I'm making you might say, or others might say, well, still, I mean, we believe he's risen the dead, but there are a lot of people who don't, and there's reasons they don't. They might say, well, the Bible, they could have written it this way, they could have, you know, whatever. So now, I'm gonna, we're, so we're going to talk about 12 dead men, I'm going to talk about 12 other dead men. Next slide. There's 12 other dead men. 
12 disciples. Now, you know, Judas killed himself. I'm not counting Judas. He was replaced with Matthias. But these are 12 other dead men, and their story tells us something else about the reality of the physical resurrection of Jesus, all right? Because uh, if these men, and, and I say this because I, even as I hear myself say it, it makes me think more about the uniqueness of Jesus. If these men knew that the physical resurrection of Jesus was a lie, in other words, what was written in the Gospels and what Paul wrote about, you know, all, all these things were this huge conspiracy theory that all these people got together and they emailed back and forth and came up with this story, right? If they knew it was a lie, um, then sooner or later they'd kind of give up on the lie, especially if their life was at stake, right? Because nobody, nobody maintains a lie if they're killed for the lie. In other words, if somebody's going to kill you because you worship this resurrected Jesus, when the spear gets to your head, you're probably going to say, wait, 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 it's all, we, we made it all up. We made it all up. All right? Not one of the 12 disciples recanted anything throughout their lives. All of them, as far as we know, except John, uh, were martyred. They were killed because of their belief in the resurrected Jesus. All right? So keep on this slide here, but here's 12 disciples. So James, the brother of John, uh, you might know this. He was in Acts chapter 12. Herod had him beheaded because his teaching and belief about the resurrected Jesus. All right? Peter and Paul... Both were martyred in Rome in AD 66 because they taught and preached about the resurrected Jesus. Um, Paul was beheaded. Peter was crucified upside down because he did not want to be crucified as Jesus was because he thought it would be dishonoring for him to be crucified like Jesus was. So he asked to be crucified upside down. All right? Did not recant. All right? Andrew went to what is now known as the Soviet Union. He preached in Asia, modern-day Turkey, and in Greece. And he was said to have been crucified. Didn't, didn't recant. He was doing all this because his absolute belief in the spirit and the resurrected Jesus. All right. Thomas ministered in Syria, traveled as far as India. Um, tradition tells us that he was uh, killed with a spear of four soldiers, again, because he was teaching about the resurrected Jesus. All right. So these dead men tell a different tale here, right? Because they're confirming something for us. Philip ministered in North Africa, Asia. He converted the wife of a Roman government leader, and the government leader was upset about it, so he had uh, Philip arrested and cruelly killed. Matthew, the tax collector, who wrote the Gospel of Matthew, ministered primarily after the resurrection of Jesus in Persia and Ethiopia. Um, most reports say he was stabbed to death in Ethiopia, again, because he taught and proclaimed the resurrected Jesus as the king of the world. A few more. Bartholomew, another disciple, ministered in India, Armenia, Ethiopia, and Southern Arabia. Uh, there's different accounts, but he died. It's, it's confirmed that it's, it's believed he died as a martyr. He was killed again because he was a follower of Jesus and taught about the resurrected Jesus, who was the king of the world. James is a different James. There's James, the brother of John, who was beheaded, Acts 12. This is James, son of Alphaeus, ministered in Syria. Uh, a Jewish historian, Josephus, who was not a Christian but a, a, a trusted historian, reports that James was stoned and clubbed to death. Again, because he taught about, preached about, proclaimed the resurrected Jesus as the king of the world. Three more. Simon the Zealot. This is not Simon Peter, but Simon the Zealot ministered in Persia. Was uh, killed after he refused to sacrifice to the sun god. 
because he believed there was only one God, as embodied in the resurrected Jesus. Matthias, he's the one who was chosen to replace Judas. Um, he was in Syria. Uh, he was killed by burned. He was burned alive because he taught about Jesus, resurrected Jesus, king of the world. John, the only apostle that we don't have any sense that he was martyred. He wrote the book of Revelation. He was around a long time. He was the only one, so I guess I'm not totally accurate to say 12 dead men, although John's dead, but he didn't die because he was martyred, all right? So, again, if none of these 11, although John was exiled because he preached about Jesus, so we could say he, had, he was persecuted too. If none of these 12 men recanted the story of the resurrection, then you have to at least think it's most likely true because... All one, you would think at least one of them, if not most of them, if they, if they were basing all this on the lie, if they had conscripted this whole resurrection theory and hidden the body, why would they die for a lie? So these 12 men have a pretty strong message to say to us because they died for what they believed and not just believed in their hell, we believe his spirit, they, they saw Jesus. They knew him. And they believed that his, he was resurrected bodily. And if that's true, which the Bible over and over says it is, and again, I'm, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but then I had to remind myself that that puts Jesus way above any other, so, any other leader, social activist, military leader, religious leader in the world. He's, he's in a whole different category. He's not just one of them. He doesn't just belong on the wall in the union with Shakespeare and Aristotle and Lincoln and other people we might put on the wall. He doesn't just belong on the wall. He gets a whole wall to himself that's like way above everybody else because he is different. So if Jesus is, if he was bodily risen from the dead, then I think the things he said and did carry a whole lot more weight than anybody else. And if he, if he is bodily risen from the dead... He's a unique person in the whole course of humanity. And if he said he was Lord of the world, and if he said that no one comes to the Father except through him, then it's true. And you and I have to decide. Either it's true or it's not true. And you might say, well, I believe it's true. Okay, but hold on. I believe it's true. But if that's true, then he, and then he says he's the Lord, then anything he says or tells us to do, anything he taught, Whatever he taught or did or tells us to do are not optional things for us to obey. He's the Lord. And he must know how to live life well. He must have some, I'll call it inside scoop, because he was risen from the dead. He must know something about reality that no one else in the world knows. And then I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this slide. Because again, if the spirit, if Jesus was raised from the dead, then this is also true. And this is, this is kind of what I wanted to leave the challenge with you. This is Paul in Romans, and this is what he writes. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, all right? Bodily, supernaturally, not in spirit form and not in idea and great idea and not in ghost form. But the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. This supernatural power from God, the Holy Spirit, 
that we're told is the energizing force behind the resurrection, a dead person to a live person, that spiritual reality, the Holy Spirit, is in us. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. And when you think about this, or when I think about this, it's like, wait a minute, so this, this Holy Spirit, who is the energy, the, the, the person and the force behind the resurrection of a dead Jesus to a live Jesus, if he's in me, or at least the Bible said we have access to that, you know, we have, we have to be filled with the Spirit, but that changes the whole, my whole outlook on Am I able to forgive somebody that's hard to forgive? Well, if I have the spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, then I can do that because I, I can't do it on my own, but I have supernatural help. Or if I'm supposed to live a sacrificial, sacrificial life and, and die to myself and wash the feet of others before my own, all those things that are hard to do, they're not just things you bite your teeth, you know, I'm going to bite my lip and do this. No, it's things because you have the spirit of Jesus in you. That raised him from the dead. He's in you. You can do, we can do all the things Jesus said we can do. So when he said to love our enemies or forgive those who have hurt us. When he says to be sacrificial with our money. When he says how we treat other people. When he says to be sexually pure. All those things Jesus says we can do is possible and only possible. Because the Holy Spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives in us. He's not just a mindset. He's not just the force be with you. But if the Holy Spirit is in me, I can do all the things Jesus said to do. And I can be, and so can you, be the kind of person Jesus said you can be. Which is, he's, you're full of the life and power that comes from God, full of joy and full of peace. So, uh, the, the, the 12, dead men, 12 dead men that are great leaders and activists and teachers of the world, in a sense, speak volumes compared to Jesus, because Jesus so different than they are and again i'm not not knocking the other world religions i'm saying jesus had some unique things to say about even those things and that should be what i said earlier today that should that's always our starting point what does jesus say what does jesus think not what do we hope he would say and think but what does he say what does he think about you and me what does he challenge what does he where does he want us to be obedient in our lives what does he say we're supposed to be doing and then the 12 dead men, the disciples, who all went to their deaths supporting what they knew to be reality and that Jesus was physically resurrected from the dead, also supports something about Jesus being like way unique. Not just a couple of rows ahead of everybody else. He's in a whole different universe than other world leaders, spiritual activists, whatever. But again, this, this passage here is... This is a reminder to you and to me that you have inside of you, we have inside of us the Holy Spirit, and we have the ability to be the kind of people that Jesus wants us to be. It's not about trying harder. It's not about gritting your teeth. It's not trying to get up early in the morning to read your Bible faster. It's, not, it's because you have supernatural resource inside of you that the New Testament is, talks to us about, about how do we be those kind of people. And those are the people who change the world. Those people who change your neighborhoods, our city, our community, that those people have the supernatural spirit of Jesus in them. And if it wasn't for Easter, then we would just be talking about being good moral people. If Easter didn't really happen, or if Jesus was just raised in spirit or in, you know, in idea, 
then we would just be hoping to do our best to copy what he said to do, but we would be hopeless because we wouldn't have the power to do so. So that's my challenge to you on Easter. I mean, uh, and uh, you have the spirit of Jesus in you. You are capable to do everything he asks you to do. And you are capable to let him work through you to bring health and healing and life and joy to others. Not just to you, but to others. And uh, that's the kind of still Jesus wants us to be. Let me pray. Jesus, we... Uh, um, We believe in your Holy Spirit, and when the Bible tells us that that spirit, your spirit that raised you from the dead is in us, we believe it, but we don't always understand it. We believe it, we don't know how to live it, but we want to. So Jesus, we want to have that kind of power inside of us, not for our sake to use it against others, but inside of us so we can use it to bring life and to serve others and to open up others to see the wonder, Jesus, of who you are. Because we want everybody to follow Jesus. We want everybody to follow Jesus. There's no one else worth following. There's no one else worth mimicking. There's no one else worth listening to. There's no one else who says anything that's even close to the kind of wisdom and words that you teach, Jesus. Because your words and your own words, you said this, they are life. So we're grateful, Jesus, that you stand alone and above uh, any other being that ever walked this earth. And we love you, Jesus, and we thank you uh, even most of all this morning as we were about to take communion, that you were that unique, powerful person, but yet you humbled yourself, the Bible said, and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And then God raised you to life, and that's, that is your story, Jesus, but now it's our story. And so we love you, we're grateful, and we honor you by taking this bread and this cup into our bodies to remember um, who you are and what you promised that we could be. And we ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.